0: Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay podcast. This is perhaps the most dangerous screenwriting lecture you will ever hear, because today I'm going to be talking about one of the most dangerous concepts for screenwriters. And that concept is the concept of hook, the concept of pitch. The reason that pitch is so dangerous for screenwriters is that oftentimes when we are thinking about can I sell it, can I sell it, can I sell it, it takes us away from the kind of writing that we can actually sell. Oftentimes when we start to think about what do they want, what do they want, what do they want, it cuts us off from our own voice. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that without your voice, you don't have a shot. That in fact, your voice is the only thing that a producer can buy. Because the truth is, if a producer wants to buy a well-executed, well-crafted script with a good hook, there are thousands of working screenwriters that they can buy those scripts from. So in order to take a chance on you, in order to take a chance on a new screenwriter, you need to be giving them something that they can't get from somebody else. That thing that you can give that they can't get from somebody else is your voice. So the danger of pitch is that, Oftentimes, instead of starting to think about what we want, who's the character that is fascinating to you? What is the question that you don't know the answer to that you wish you did? What's the event that moved you and changed your life? What's the dream you had last night that kept you up? What's the terror that haunts you? Instead of starting there with the personal, we start outside of ourselves. We often start thinking, what do they want? And the challenge of that is multifold. The first is, you don't know who they are. And so because you don't know who they are, instead of dealing with the real they, usually they is just a projection of the most insecure part of yourself. So the first problem is that when we start to think about they, the they that we think about is not like some cool producer who's going to dig our work. The they that we think about is the part of us that thinks we're not good enough. It's the part of us that thinks that our idea is never going to sell. The part of us that feels like we have nothing to offer. The part of us that feels like our craft isn't good enough, or our voice isn't good enough, or our art isn't good enough. The part of us that wonders if we have enough talent. And as writers, we are all desperately insecure. And we're desperately insecure because, as writers, we're introspective people. Our job is to look inside of ourselves, look at those little niches that most people don't look at, those little doubts, those little questions. And so because of this... If you allow yourself to get into thinking of the they that is going to judge you, it's going to cut you off from your real instincts. It's going to cut you off from your freedom to improvise as an artist. It's going to cut you off from your voice. And you may end up with a really clear, clean idea, but it's likely that the execution is going to be lacking something. It's going to be paper thin. It's going to feel like there's something missing, like there's a glass ceiling that you can't quite get through in your writing. The second problem when we start our process by thinking of can I sell it, can I sell it, can I sell it is that you probably don't have a clue if you could sell it or not and most likely neither does anybody else in your life. Now if you're lucky enough to have a really powerful agent or a really powerful manager That person's job is to be on the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, finding out what is hip, what is popular, what is in style, what is in vogue right now. But if you are a normal human being who walks the earth, particularly if you're a normal human being who probably has a full-time job, and on top of that is probably doing a second full-time job writing, the truth is you have no time to play the social networking game of finding out what's coming in and out of fashion by the time you actually see a movie in the theater you're already two years behind the trend so the next problem when you start thinking can i sell it can i sell it can i sell it is not only are you most likely censored but you're also probably full of doubt because the truth is you probably have no idea what commercial is Because the truth is the industry has no idea what commercial is. What commercial is changes every day. We're living in actually one of the most exciting times ever to be a filmmaker. We recently did a retreat with ITV Fest up in Vermont. That was last October. We're doing another one this October. And ITV Fest is a wonderful festival that basically brings together producers and new filmmakers in order to create a pipeline between independent television makers, and the networks and studios. It's a pretty exciting event. And in addition to all the education stuff we do there, one of the really extraordinary things about it is you get to do a tremendous amount of networking. And it was a very interesting thing talking to these multitudes of agents and managers and producers, because today the language has changed. Back when I was coming up in the 90s, what people were talking about was hook and money. Hook and money, hook and money, hook and money. You had to talk pure business to the business people because they weren't even seeing film as art. They were seeing film as just an extension of the MBA training they'd had before they'd headed out to Los Angeles to make more money in a very lucrative profession. But when we were speaking to managers and agents and producers at the ITV retreat, we were hearing something very different. We were hearing managers say things like, yeah, we're making art. We're looking for artists. And that's a really exciting change. And where did that change come from? Did managers suddenly become philanthropists? Absolutely not. What happened was we've had a little renaissance happen in television. And that renaissance is trickling up from television to features. And what agents and managers and producers have finally realized is, oh my God, there is money in them hills. There is money in art. So this is a very exciting time to be a filmmaker. But if you're thinking about what can I sell, if you're thinking about what is hot right now, if you're out there chasing the trends, not only are you once again cutting yourself off from your own vision, you're also most likely chasing a trend that is already over. The truth of the matter is to sell something, you got to get a little lucky. Because even if I were to whisper into your ear exactly what is hot right now, by the time you write the darn script, you're now a year behind especially if you've put the time in to actually get that script to a place where it fully encapsulates your voice, what you're trying to do as a writer. The third problem with pitching, the third reason that pitching is so dangerous for young screenwriters, and not only young screenwriters, you know, I started my career working with professional screenwriters. I had a really unique job in the industry. Basically, my boss would knock on my door and he'd say, I want to make a movie about Sacagawea and or whatever, name the topic of the day. And I would go out and I would write the story. Um, and oftentimes writing the story actually meant writing the script uh, because I was never a guy who could just arrive at a story without really getting to know my characters. I couldn't arrive at the kind of story that was going to sell. So I would often, in the process of writing the treatment or the story or the outline, I would often have written about 70% of the script, not in like the final version, but in a rough version. Then what we would do is we would sell it, and we would go find a professional writer who had more credits than I did to finish the script, And what usually happened would be that that writer would screw it up. I mean, don't get me wrong, there were some really brilliant writers we worked with who were able to take these concepts and do extraordinary things with them, sometimes things that I could never have even imagined. But most of the writers that we hired screwed it up. And if you're a development executive, you know that that is pretty much par for the course, that sometimes seven or eight or nine different writers have to be hired before the project either goes into turnaround, which is the most common thing, or finally gets a green light. So my job then was to sit down with those writers and to somehow save the script because it was a hell of a lot cheaper for my production company to pay me to fix that script than it was for them to fire that writer and hire a new one. And that's actually how I learned to teach. I learned to teach working with professional writers. And I was a really young kid. I was 22 years old. So you can imagine you're 22 years old and you're staring across the room from an Emmy Award winner or an Academy Award winner. Somebody who's extraordinarily talented but is lost on the script. And the, and you learn really quickly if you try to impose your idea on that script, you're going nowhere because you're 22 years old and that person is not going to listen to you. So what I learned to do, I learned that the way you get a great script is not by trying to impose your own ideas And it's certainly not even by going back to what I originally wrote in The Treatment or what I originally wrote in my rough draft of the script. The way I got great scripts out of these people was by identifying the little pieces of them that had somehow made their way into that bad draft. And this is something interesting to think about. Why were these great writers writing bad scripts? Well, quite frankly, they were doing it for the same reason you're likely to do it if you think about pitch. A lot of these writers, we were a smaller production company, so a lot of these writers were writers who had had tremendous careers but were kind of on the downside of their careers, where maybe they used to command a million dollars a script and now they were commanding 250000 Now, that's still a lot of money, but when you have your million-dollar script house and your million-dollar script divorce and your million-dollar script drug problem, I'm joking, please don't develop all those things, For a lot of these people, they were suddenly dependent on now writing four scripts in the time that they used to write one in order to keep their lifestyle going. In other words, they weren't saying yes to these scripts because of their passion. They weren't saying yes to these scripts because the idea moved them. They were saying yes to these scripts because they needed the damn money. And for a lot of young writers, the same problem exists. If you're gonna succeed as a writer you need a really great day job and a lot of you know we have a motto here at the studio fuck your day job write your screenplay but it's important to understand that fuck your day job doesn't mean quit your day job fuck your day job means find a day job that supports your art rather than art that supports your day job find a day job that's gonna give you time and emotional energy to write and find a day job that's gonna give you enough money that you're not feeling desperate Because it is almost impossible to write a script when you are feeling desperate. And this is what happens to so many wonderful professional writers. Is that instead of doing the thing that made them successful, which is finding a story that lived in their heart and finding a way to get it onto the page, they instead are saying yes, 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 without any emotional connection. They're saying yes, 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 thinking money, 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 money. And for those people, at least they're likely to end up with money. But for you, you're likely to end up with no money and no fun along the way. Very few writers can write a script that doesn't come from somewhere in their heart. And so this is what I used to do with those writers is I'd basically throw out whatever my ideas were and I would look for what little piece of them had somehow made its way onto the page. Because by the time you've done a draft, even if it's a terrible draft, even if it's just a draft that you have phoned in because you just had to get it done, by the time you've written 100 pages, some little bit of your subconscious has made its way onto the page. Some little bit of the beautiful and broken thing in you that made you a writer in the first place has found its way onto the page. And even at 22 years old, what I learned was that if I could help the writer see that beauty on the page, see that beautiful piece of them, understand what this script could be, not to me, but to them, that suddenly everything changed. Suddenly, rather than feeling external and fake and false and mechanical, plot, structure, started to feel like they were flowing organically from the theme, from the idea, from that beautiful and broken thing. Instead of feeling like mannequins or puppets, suddenly the characters started to breathe on the page. Suddenly they started to do the work for the writer. And the most exciting part of this is that rather than being something that got chewing gummed and duct taped onto the top of a script... Instead of being, you know, a commercial candy shell that you dip the script into, hook and pitch started to grow organically out of the script itself, out of the instincts of the writer. Now, it takes a lot of craft to succeed in writing a script, but it's so important to understand that craft is only going to take you so far. That if you don't have that emotional connection, if you are not telling the story in your heart, then the truth is you are not doing your job. And if you're not doing your job, you are not going to succeed. So even as we talk about pitch here, I want to talk about pitch in a way that helps you to do your job. And to understand that, you have to understand that pitch is not how you sell your script to somebody else. Hook is not how you sell your script to somebody else. Pitch and hook are the things that already exist inside of the script that are selling the script to you. Pitch is how you sell your movie to yourself. And this is really important because no matter how bad your idea is, if you keep following your instincts... If you keep following the thread of that question you don't know the answer to, that beautiful and broken thing in yourself, that character that you want to understand, that thing about the universe that doesn't make sense, that idea that makes you laugh or cry, the characters that live inside of you, if you keep on doing that and you're willing to push hard enough, eventually the hook will emerge, even from the most terrible idea. Let me give you a couple of examples of this. The worst idea that I've ever heard for a movie called Lars and the Real Girl. If you know Lars and the Real Girl, you know that this is one of the most beautiful movies ever made. And it launched Ryan Gosling's career. And if you know Lars and the Real Girl, you also know that the hook is ridiculous. So here's the hook. A neurotic man orders a sex doll and decides that she is going to be his girlfriend. And everybody in the town accepts her. And it makes his life and everybody else's life better. This is a terrible idea. And in fact, the bad version of this movie was actually made. Back in the 80s, there was a movie called Mannequin, which is the bad version of the exact same idea. But if you're willing to push on Mannequin hard enough, it stops being Mannequin. And it starts being Lars and the real girl. And suddenly, this incredibly unlikely idea turns into a huge commercial success. Commercial success doesn't come from copying everybody else because there are a million people who are better at that than you are. Commercial success comes from writing the movie that you want to see and then figuring out what is it about the film? What is that one core thing that made you want to see it? What is the thing that sold you? So the first thing to understand is that even the worst premise can become a great premise if you're willing to push on it hard enough. Let me give you another example of this. Because here's the second problem. No matter how good your idea is, about halfway through the process, you're going to be like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever written. About halfway through the process, no matter how wonderful your idea is, no matter how commercial, no matter how sellable, halfway through the process, you're going to think you're an idiot. If you don't believe me, then you need to know the story of M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan wrote The Sixth Sense, which is, I believe, still the highest grossing thriller of all time. But what a lot of people don't know is that M. Night Shyamalan actually threw out the fourth draft of that script. Can you imagine? He threw out the fourth draft of the script. And here's what you need to know. He threw out the fourth draft of the script because Casper, the live action Casper the Friendly Ghost movie came out. The exact quote when he threw out that script is, Well, there goes that. That's right. The writer of the number one grossing thriller of all time thought his movie was no longer going to be successful, no longer going to be commercial, because Casper the frickin' Friendly Ghost came out. But here's the really interesting thing. At that time, M. Night Shyamalan was right. Because at that time, M. Night Shyamalan had not yet figured out that the Bruce Willis character was dead. At that time... M. Night Shyamalan was truly just doing a live-action version of Casper the Friendly Ghost, which he thought at that time was the hottest concept he'd ever thought of. He didn't know the trick ending. In fact, he was lucky enough to have someone who said, Dude, you gotta keep going. And it wasn't until draft 10 that he realized, Oh my God, this guy's dead. Now listen to the languaging there. This wasn't, Oh my God, I could make this guy dead. Oh my God, this guy should be dead. Oh my God, they would really like it if he was dead. Oh my God, it would be so commercial if he was dead. It was, Oh my God, this guy is already dead. And I just didn't know it yet. Writing a script is a process of discovery. Which means that if the script you write is the script you plan to write, and if it unfolds exactly in the way you expected it to unfold, you're not doing your job. And if you want proof, think about M. Night Shyamalan's later movies in which rather than finding the surprise ending organically, he tried to impose a trick ending on every freaking movie. Notice the difference in the quality of those films and in the commercial success of those films. So no matter what, when you're thinking about them, when you're thinking about can I sell it, when you're thinking about is it commercial, you can know 100% for a fact you are cutting yourself off from your voice and you're cutting yourself off from your real chance at success. So, what are you supposed to do about pitch? Are you supposed to just ignore it? Does it not actually matter? Well, I'm a pretty strong believer that movies are expensive. And that means that when I write a movie, I'm asking someone for somewhere between $100,000 and $100 million to do something that I believe in. So, that means a couple things to me. That means, number one, I better damn well believe that person is going to make their money back. Because if I don't believe that that person is going to make their money back, if I don't believe that my movie has something in it that is going to pay back the person who just put $100 million in or $100,000 in or a $1 million in, if I don't think it has that, then I haven't done my job. Because then I'm asking that person to do something that I wouldn't do. I wouldn't just throw a $1 million or $100 million into somebody else's project if I didn't think that it was going to be successful. So as writers, it's not that we just should ignore pitch because unless you want to think of yourself as a charity case, which I don't think you should, pitch is one of the ways that you make sure that you have something valuable for your producer. Because ultimately, pitch is the thing that's going to determine if your movie is successful. The thing to understand is that that pitch is not something you find outside of yourself. It's something that comes from inside of yourself. Next Friday, April 21st, we're going to be doing a free pitch event at the studio and online. It's totally free, and I'm going to be talking a lot about how to build a personal pitch. And then we're going to actually do some demos where we let people practice their own pitches and make their own pitches better. So I'm not going to get fully into that here on this podcast, although I do invite you to join us for that event on the 21st. You can find out more about it at writeyourscreenplay.com fixyourpitch but what I want to talk about now to kind of give you a beginning of thinking about that is that all pitching is personal. That when you go into pitch your script, what you're really doing is you're not just telling a story of what the movie is. You're actually also telling the story of who you are in relation to the movie. Where did this movie come from in you? And the reason for that is that although producers and agents and managers believe oftentimes that they're making business decisions, the truth is there is no rational way to choose one movie over another. There is no rational way to say yes to a movie because the truth is nobody knows what's going to be successful. Producers thought so little of Star Wars that they gave a guy named George Lucas all of the toy rights billions of dollars they gave away because they thought so little of Star Wars every single studio had passed on it. Francis Ford Coppola had to mortgage his house to finish The Godfather. So nobody really knows what's going to be successful. So before you start thinking about how to pitch your script to somebody else, you want to start by asking yourself, how am I going to pitch it to myself? You want to practice talking to yourself about the script, not talking about the millions of great elements of your script but instead talking about the one thing that it's really about for you. The thing that is the most important thing, that if people don't get that thing, you haven't done your job or they haven't understood your movie. At the beginning, that might be a thematic thing. That might be something like, hey, this is a movie about mothers and daughters or this is a movie about love or this is a movie about what is it like to live with a devastating illness or this is a movie about not knowing who you really are so it might start with a thematic hook oftentimes as writers before we really fully know the story that theme will start to emerge for us where we're like i'm curious about this i want to understand this but as the story emerges we want to start to transform that thematic hook into a more literal hook a more structure-based hook We want that hook to become a hook that's about a guy who or a girl who. We want to understand who this main character is and what's the incredibly ironic journey that they go on that's going to lead them to the theme. So rather than thinking about hook as some way that you make your script commercial, rather than thinking about hook as the idea, I want you to think about hook as the character's journey. I want you to think about Hook as the incredibly ironic twists and turns that happen along your character's journey that takes a person who starts off like this and changes them to somebody who's a completely different person. I want you to think about Hook as the thing that makes your movie different or cooler than others in the genre. So for example, a while ago a beautiful movie came out called Brokeback Mountain. And the Hook of Brokeback Mountain was gay cowboys. And once you understood gay cowboys, you pretty much could tell yourself the story. You could anticipate the kinds of twists and turns, the kind of ironic complications of who these characters were, with very little additional information. A couple years later, another gay cowboys movie came out. Um, except this time it wasn't cowboys. This time it was a movie called The Kids Are All Right. That movie was set in suburbia with a lesbian couple. And prior to Brokeback Mountain... That story alone would have been worthy of a movie, but the truth is after Brokeback Mountain, even though it's just a different location, the gay cowboy story had already been done. So what made this movie a little bit different in the genre? It was gay suburban cowboys with kids. And to make it even a little more complicated, one of those gay cowboys ends up having an affair with the biological father of her children. Here's what's really beautiful and organic is that even if your story is starting off in a place that seems similar, if you keep on putting your character in situations that complicate their life, if you keep on putting your character in the most ironic situation that you can put them in, if you keep on saving the best for first and letting the biggest, wildest, most incredible thing happen early in your movie rather than saving it for later, What will happen is that that hook will start to naturally evolve in your script. It will start to develop just from the ironic situations, the twists and turns you put your character into. And the more organically you find those things, the more intuitively you find those things rather than depending upon the advice of others or things you've seen in other movies, the more you find those things from inside of you, the more likely you have to have a hook that we truly haven't seen before. And the more likely you are to have a hook that's going to feel emotionally and intuitively and organically connected to the theme of the movie, the reason that you're writing it in the first place. If you'd like to learn more about how to construct a pitch like that and how to communicate those things inside of you to other people in a way that gets you in the door, gets people excited about your script, shows people the marketability of this thing that comes so beautifully from inside of you, then I invite you to join our Fix Your Pitch event on April 21st, and it's going to recur every single month on a Friday night. You can find more information about that at com slash fixyourpitch you can register there. It's 100% free. You can join us here in New York City or you can join from anywhere in the world via video conferencing and have your pitch ready or you're free to just listen. I'll give a little lecture at the beginning and then we will practice pitching with each other. And if you can't make it this April, we'll have a different teacher from Jacob Kruger Studio doing that pitch event every single month. So I hope you can make it. I hope to see you all then. Again, you can find us at writeyour fixyourpitch your pitch. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Again, we make this podcast available totally free and with no outside advertising. So if it was helpful for you, please do share it with your friends, subscribe to us on iTunes, and write us a review. It really does make a big difference. You can also get a complete transcript of this podcast on our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. And if you'd like to study with me in New York City, online, on one of our international retreats, or one-on-one as part of our ProTrack Mentorship Program, you can learn more on our website. That's writeyourscreenplay.com.